Coming Up Creative with your hosts, Tommy and Mac. Hi guys, Mac here. Thanks for tuning in to the Coming Up Creative podcast. Today we are bringing you a slightly different episode. I'm having a one-on-one conversation with a Ukrainian artist who is currently living right outside of Kyiv. It's important to us at the Coming Up Creative Podcast to use our platform to spread reliable information from a credible first-hand source in order to educate and spread awareness. There is a constant narrative of divide through mainstream media and social media platform strategies, and our goal is to remind everyone for the need of connection, empathy, and compassion for others. We hope by sharing Ola's story, we raise awareness for the people who are directly being affected, the people who are losing their homes, their families, and even their own lives at the hands of just a small few. We hope this conversation inspires you to donate to the credible organization given to us by Ola and to also turn inward on the war everyone faces within themselves. As Ola will so eloquently state, we can help improve the world by improving ourselves first. Before we jump in, a little word from our sponsor. If you're a creator, builder, crypto enthusiast, or investor looking for a place to connect with other like-minded people, Overt is the place for you. Overt helps creatives build communities, tell their stories, and successfully launch their projects. Visit ovrt.xyz to join the growing community. Again, that's ovrt.xyz. And now our conversation with Ukrainian artist Ola. How are you doing? How is how is everything? I've I've been following your stories and um I just, my heart goes out to you. I don't know how to help. I just, I'm hoping that we can try to get, you know, your story out there and talk a little bit about what's going on. Maybe how your life is a little bit different than how it has been. I'm not sure. I want to kind of give you the floor here and and just walk me through who you are, what you do and what you're currently doing right now. So basically I'm a self-taught artist. And I have been for the last few years. Um, uh, My education and my professional background is that I have a master of science. So I studied science, financial science, math, but I became an artist. I'm signed with a gallery in London, Creative Debuts. And um, yeah, so I've been doing that up till 24th. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. And, Start uh, by telling us yeah. where where are you located? What's what's your name? What what tell tell everybody who you are? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so my name is Ola. <laughs> Ola, I'm located uh, in Ukraine, in the central part of Ukraine, just a few hours from Kiev, from the capital. Um, yeah. So. Um, okay. So starting on the 24th, your life changed pretty drastically. Yeah. At five o'clock in the morning, uh, I've got a message from my friend, the journalist, um, about what's happening. And uh, I started like packing my, because I knew I'm going to be a medical volunteer. So I started packing my backpack. And then around nine, there was an explosion in my town. Like the ground literally shook. Oh my God. And uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm actually very grateful every day I wake up alive and I'm driving in between towns evacuating people like kids for example uh, two days ago we evacuated uh, 40 kids from orphanage wow Wow. and they have been sent to Italy okay I was about to to ask where are you sending them yeah 
yeah so there people medical people are going to take care of them until this over and yeah so uh, also evacuating people from hospitals as you may be know in the south uh, there were cases of 11 girls being raped by this okay. by the russian military so we had to take them out as well and provide them well they don't just need medical care but also like psychological help because yeah. that's a bit yeah broken to be to be experiencing something like that oh um, yeah so i've been i've been doing a lot of work in that sector and actually yesterday last night someone from red cross called me red cross ukraine uh, i also speak like four languages uh, wow. apart from um, apart from english so i can be useful and they said we knew you from that organization you seem to be quite good in organizing do you want to join us and it's actually a good opportunity because they are bigger uh, organization i can do more through them yeah and and especially like with some medicines for people who have like psychiatric problems or kids with neurological problems for them it's really difficult now to get the medicine so uh, that's yeah. what i'm trying so that's what i'm trying uh, to do yeah wow so it sounds like you are you're fully in it you i mean this is your every day you are you not doing yeah. art right now you're just you wake no. up you go you do stuff you take care of people you're evacuating people wow i don't think anybody is doing the anything job that they were doing before the war like i know my for example my father my parents my father he's in building so he's helping a lot so he kind of doing is his job but in a completely different context like wow. he's helping people with their houses and stuff and um, yeah i don't know anybody doing what they used to do before the 24th to be honest. are there a lot Except of people you know who have left but are not there anymore you know my close friends they didn't leave even though they had the opportunity mm -hmm. like for example me on the the day before the war my friend who lives in new york she told me ola look i worked out a complete plan step by step of you coming to new york getting the refugee status etc cetera, etc cetera. and i and i i gave a minute i thought about it and i was like and what i'm going to do there yeah like here i can be actually an asset yeah for and sure. there i'm just going to be like sitting there crying and making everybody around me depressed and here you actually like people ask me if you if you get sad of of course emotionally you experience things and you see things that you don't wish anybody would ever see. Yeah. But but you don't have time to get upset. Like to be honest on 24th in the morning, I set my timer on my phone for 30 minutes and I let myself cry rolling around the floor. I cut it all out and since then I just focused on what I what can I do? Not mm -hmm. how I feel, but what can I do? Yeah. I think that will be more useful um, now. And you you mentioned that you follow my stories uh, by law and by our president, our amazing president. We mm -hmm. are not allowed as volunteers to take pictures. So we only post like we can repost something or post something from a photographer, official photographer who took pictures. And sometimes I was like, I wish I could post what I'm like experience what I'm seeing. What you're seeing. Because that will be yeah. yeah, because that is a complete like that that would give people a message then maybe people would understand what what especially like those girls those 11 girls from Kherson who were raped and they are not women they are not like you and me they actually girls 
Oh my God. Can you try to try to um, paint a picture for us other than what you just said, what you're seeing with your eyes? I mean, you're, you're seeing these young girls in their psychological collapse, basically from what they've been going through from the Russian soldiers. What else are you seeing that you can try to tell people and illustrate? There are people like yesterday, I evacuated a family. They have little babies. They're 11 people, they're a big family. And they came to town. They were not the people we, we went and evacuated. Like usually we go there with a bus, we take people. They actually draw themselves somehow because that's from Mariupol. That's basically impossible. But the guy knew the ways to drive around. Anyway, they came to my town and they came to the center where I work. And the windows in their car were gone because while they were packing, their house was bombarded. And like you look at their eyes and they just play like, I don't think they fully realized what happened yet. So they are in this like, you know, adrenaline mode where the main goal was just to get out. And you talk to people and it's hard for them to look you in the eyes and you, you see that emotionally it's very difficult. And I tried to distract them. I tell them a little about town while I was driving them to the place they're going to stay. And they're like, yeah, Ola, this town is beautiful, but we want to go home and we will never go home because there is nothing left from our hometown, literally like nothing left. And um, now it's even difficult to get in touch with people who might be there because there is no air, uh, there is no reception. There is no water there now. Um, they bombarded the water supply station as well. Oh so, my God. Yeah. And the little kids is a completely different story. I'm not even gonna, I don't think there are words invented in any language to describe what is happening to the kids, especially those kids who didn't make it alive. Like how is it for parents to carry out their three months old baby who died and for nothing, for nothing. Because I actually like, I used to live in UK and um, I dated a guy and I had friends, many friends who were in the army, in the English army. And they're telling me, this is not war protocol. This is not war. You never get an order to bombard the civilians or yeah. bombard the maternity hospital or rape the girls. They said that if we would rape, it would, we would even think about raping somebody where we went for the war. We would be excluded. Like we will be punished badly. There is, yeah. no, there is in any army in the world, it's just not acceptable. People don't do that. Soldiers don't do that. That's why I struggle to even call those people soldiers because that's an offense to the soldier, like to the statues or to the job of a soldier. Yeah, they sound like monsters. Um, um, I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure of the word, to be honest. And um, yeah, so that's what people are experiencing, basically. And I also, there are also people we are trying to evacuate, like uh, pregnant girls. Mm -hmm. Like the other day, um, I was responsible for evacuating one pregnant girl and uh, she went to Germany she had some friends there. And actually people from abroad, like all my friends from abroad, they're super welcoming. They're super like you even. We are not even friends. We are friends through a friend. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, people, people are interested. They're thinking, how can I help? Uh, what can I send? Or maybe I can take people in. So somebody in Germany is taking this girl in and she's actually quite smart. She wouldn't be like, she speaks a few languages. She's a really nice girl. And she says, if I wouldn't be pregnant, I wouldn't go anywhere. I would stay here and I would uh, yeah. work for my country. Uh, but 
she said that crossing the border from uh, Ukraine to Poland and then to Germany was the worst experience of her life because she said the people who are there now, they're super stressed, they're super scary, scared. They, they are not in their own country. They're confused. They don't know what to do. And she said the energy there was just very difficult for her, especially like being pregnant. I think that's the most vulnerable state a human being can be Absolutely. in. Absolutely. But now she's safe. She messaged us yesterday that she's safe in Germany with a friend and it's all good. But well, having that experience, good, but... I, can't, I can't even imagine. I can't and imagine I having if... any of these experiences. I, I mean, this is wild. Yeah. And if you, there was a maternity hospital that was bombarded. I think this is why it's very important you are doing this work of your podcast and talking to people like me, because I had one follower, like she's my client. I used to, I sold the painting to Mm -hmm. her a long time ago. And she said, you know, the only, the only way I figure I, I get to know that the hospital was bombarded is because Gerard Leto from 30 Seconds to Mars interviewed someone oh, and the media wow. didn't even like, they didn't shine a light on it. And my friend was one of the firefighters who was evacuating those girls. Can mm. you imagine being pregnant and bomb? I, I mean, no. I, I, I'm, I would try to understand what kind of person would do that, but I'm struggling. And then someone from UK sended me, because you probably know that Russian government tries very hard to create a propaganda. Somebody from Poland actually sent me a post of Russian embassy in London who wrote that actually it wasn't a maternity hospital. It was a military base. And those girls are beauty bloggers with really realistic makeup. What? I mean, <laughs> and like for you, it, it might be 10 times more shock than to me. And the reason for that is the historical context, because what's happening now, it's not just an isolated event. What's happening now is what it, it is what was happening between Russia and Ukraine and Russia and smaller Eastern European countries like Latvia mm-hmm. uh, or Moldova for a really, really long time. Yeah, for a really long time. So we are not kind of too surprised, even if you look at it through the lens of art, uh, there is a lot of art in Eastern European countries that highlights this um, this issue. Yeah. Not again, not only from Ukrainian people, but from people from Latvia, Lipa, Moldova, etc. So people know about it and there are historically novels written about it. For example, there is this writer, he's actually a Russian, uh, Sergei Solzhenitsyn. He wrote about it a great deal and he's like an amazing writer. He, he ended up in Russian prison in Siberia because because of what he was saying and mm-hmm. how he was talking and what he wrote. So historically, if you look at it from a historical point of view, it actually, it comes as no surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, what comes as a surprise is a country as tiny, as small as Ukraine is actually fighting it, not giving up. Yeah. So that's, that's that might be a surprise for the Western world, I, I expect. About like 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when I was in college, I went to school for art history and I had a Ukrainian professor who she was like, it was my favorite class. I mean, she was just unbelievably radiant and how she spoke about her homeland and the passion the people of Ukraine have. And she was kind of the first person that like really educated us on, on that strain between Russia and Ukraine. And I mean, this was over a decade ago and she was like, it's just a matter of time before, you know, everything boils over. Like the tension has run so deep for so long. She was passionate about it. I mean, she wish she would 
and talk about it and tears would well up in her eyes that nobody understands and you can't possibly understand unless you you've been there and you can go through it i i just i don't know I, my heart goes out to you guys i just i know a lot of people just don't know how to help and i think you you spoke about the propaganda you know coming out of russia and we kind of feel like we have a little bit of propaganda issue over here in the United States too. So we don't really know what's going on. That's why I feel like talking to people like you is so important because you're the one that you're seeing it, you know, you're experiencing it and you need to be the voice to tell everybody what's actually going on. Exactly. That's what, that's very uh, wise words. I think uh, that you are speaking and the, actually the job that you're doing, I think that's the best thing someone can do, like pray and do what you're doing, actually sharing this information. And, you know, the other thing I want to say is about Russian people, because many, many people abroad, they think that all the Russians are like Putin. That is, there are a lot of Russians who understand what's happening, who, who understood what was happening a long time ago. Mm-hmm. From artists to politicians to simple people, like normal, regular people, they are not for Putin. There are people who are for Putin, and I'm not sure how those people wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, but... There are actually a lot of people who understand what's happening. The only thing is probably they're afraid to go out on the streets, go out and protect themselves. Yeah. Because if I would be Russian, I would hate actually Putin. I would because what he's doing to Russian people now is is very, very bad and ugly. And I, I know a lot of I have Russian friends who are just like very angry as well. They're very angry. They understand and they let it happen for being complicit with, with, with his politics, with his ways for a really long time, but they are not for it at all, Yeah, at all. That's the situation. And uh, I don't know if you know, but yesterday, Russian government uh, filed a criminal offense against Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram. So now they are going to ban Instagram and Facebook in Russia. So even people like you, for example, who was talking about art or, I don't know, talking about sports, they're all banned from what they were doing. They're not allowed to share any information in support of Ukraine or even say the word war. And uh, that is not very nice, I, no. I think, towards Russian people as well. And I was like, um, I work during the day, I work as a medical um, person, but at night I proofread the um, translations that translators do for our major media who communicates what's happening. And I was a witness to a few interviews of Russian soldiers taken in captivity. And when you interview them, first of all, most of them look like kids. Most of them them like 17. Like they, they still have like, you know how boys have that little hair on their face they yeah. the stars they are not yeah. little uh, grooming but they have these little that's how they look for example the little packages with food that they have the expiry date went off six years ago what six years ago and actually some of them told us that they are better off in ukrainian captivity than in russian army because here if they were wounded we take care of them so basically the generals all all those like higher up military men they are for it but these boys they were told that they are going to crimea for one day mission because they thought they're going to take Kiev in one day so it was like a study mission they were told I want to circle back to, um, cause I, I see on your post and, and, and I, I feel like I see this from some of my other friends who are from Ukraine, who are now here and they're talking very highly of your president, um, kind of walk us through your feelings towards him. Maybe some of the things he's doing. 
I haven't seen him uh, myself in person, okay. but I think what he's doing is beyond what anybody expected from him. Yeah. Because as you as you probably know, he's an artist. He used to be a comedian. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was in high school, I actually went to one of the shows of his band, like when he was a comedian. So now <sighs> seeing him transforming into a president and not just the president, but the actual baddest leader, that, that surprised me. I didn't expect that. And I didn't, I don't think anybody expected him to be this strong. I really liked what he said when U.S. government offered him to be evacuated. Yeah. And he said, I don't need a ride. I need my ammo. He's yeah. not saying that to be cute. He is right there. He's not hiding somewhere in a bunker, yeah. just talking to people. And I, I think, again, you can't look at, just as you can't look at the event being isolated from the history, you can't look at him being isolated from the history. He's not just an artist. You have to look at his background. First of all, he's Jewish. A lot of people in Ukraine, are, even I have some Jewish roots. His dad was through Holocaust because there was a Holocaust of Ukrainian people in 1930s in Ukraine. His other grandparents were in Auschwitz in Poland. So his family history kind of taught him that you are supposed to fight the tyrant. You are not sitting and negotiating with the evil. You are fighting it. You need to stop it. So I think that kind of personal history also given him some strength and some certainty when he was elected before the war, when he was just elected. You know, there is a tradition. I don't know if you have that tradition in the U.S. to put a portrait of a president in your office. There are these traditions that like high governments or some big companies, they have the portrait of their leader in their office. And what Vladimir Zelensky said, he said, I don't want you to put my portrait and look at me when you're making a decision. I want you to put a photograph of your kids and look mm. at them every time you make a decision. I think that was one of the like creative approaches to communicate the values that he intended to develop. You can see like when he talked to Elon Musk or anybody, he speaks English, so he doesn't need a translator. Yeah. He's very informal. He's very human, if I can mm -hmm. say so. He's a very good orator. He communicates verbally very well, both in English and in, in uh, Ukrainian and in Russian, because sometimes he addresses Russian people. Uh, I think he's a super strong person. And I'm, like, I'm actually very proud to have a president like that. Mm. You know, th this um, writer that I told you about, Solzhenitsyn, yeah. he once compared Ukrainian people to bees. And he said that these are very small creatures. They're minding their business. They're doing their honey. They're not dealing with anybody's business or big politics. But then once a bear puts his hand into a, their honey cone, the bear come out. is done. They come out strong. And you I know the other it. thing about the bee, I don't know if you know much about beekeeping, but when the bee bites you, she dies. So that's actually, that says a lot about Ukrainians. We did it 2014 and we're doing it now. We will bite even if it means that we have to give up our own values, our own things and with some people in lives. Because I think that freedom is more important to many, to all the people here than, than the comfort. Because even I personally, I can't imagine how can I be comfortable living in the world where what Putin is doing is okay. No, Much more not. being a subject to him, that's not negotiable. And I have friends from Lithuania again and uh, Germany Italy, UK, they talk about uh, the oil and the gas and they say that, well, we're going to isolate Putin and then the gas and everything is going to be a bit more expensive. And none of them told me they had a problem with it. They're like, yeah, so I can't drive my car this much. 
that's not a problem. We are even over consuming anyways. Mm -hmm. And all of them have kids. And they said, I'd rather do that. I'd rather buy a, like a, a cheaper car or drive less than have my kid living in the world where this tyranny is okay. And it's just, it's, it's being watched as a Eurovision or another episode of Netflix. Netflix. So these are very strong statements from people who are not even Ukrainian. So how, how can people help? What, what in your, in your mind, what, how can people who aren't there help? First of all, I would say, and I don't try to um, impose my view, but I'm a Christian. Uh, I go to Protestant church. So I believe that prayers have a lot of weight, regardless of what faith people in. Even like during Second World War, when the London was bombarded, I don't know if you know, but Churchill uh, made like a rule, like a little law asking people to pray in particular times because they're yeah. also very like uh, believers in UK. Mm -hmm. And I believe prayer, even just thinking good things towards someone or towards people is very powerful on ways we can't see. I would say pray for Ukraine, but also pray for Russia as weird as it might sound, because those people need much more than we do. We have light, we are fighting for it. And many people in Russia, they are not realizing what is happening. I even pray for people who are close to Putin, because I believe that there is a way for them to realize what's happening. So prayer would be one. Second, I would say it will be what you are doing. Being curious, sharing information from reliable sources, talking about it. I would even say maybe explaining it to kids that this is not okay. This is not what is supposed to be happening i also think that these two factors combined we all have to look inside ourselves and realize the wars that we have inside the person would ask where in my behavior i am putting something above the human dignity where in my behavior i think that i'm better than someone and i can be a bully asking those questions as as my friend danny from london said that by transforming ourselves, we're creating a more powerful community. When we think about those issues, not just, oh, this is happening somewhere in Ukraine. Yeah, but this is happening inside of every human being at a certain point of time. 100%. So, so doing that, and um, I've seen that a lot of people donate, and that's very, very powerful. Because in terms of medicine, I can tell you we need the, the supplies 100%, but... There are even more needs in terms of military, like infrastructure, all those things. So the nations are amazing. What I would highlight here is try to make sure that you are donating to reliable organizations. Like, for example, Red Cross is reliable. The other one I'm always posting about is Save Lives. I, I might share a link with you later if you Absolutely. wish. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's like a Ukrainian company set up in Ukraine. And I know personally people who did it. and and I. On the first day of the war, I donated all my savings there. So wow. I, that's what I did um, because I realized I'm, I, I would not need those savings. If yeah, you absolutely. Don't do this. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, please send me that so link so that I can put that. I'll put that in the, the bio. Yeah, so these will be the four main things, I would say. The prayer, the honest, adequate communication, raising awareness, the donation, and the personal transformation. Yeah, I would say Absolutely. it will be the main four. I couldn't agree more with that. But I just want to thank you so much for coming on here and shining your light. And our hearts are with you. I've been trying to hold space for you and everything you're doing. And I'm going to continue to do that and send as many good vibes and thoughts your way. 
Um, please let us know if we can get you back on here, or whatever you need from us, you know, we're here and we just hope you stay safe. Just let us know how we can help. Thank you. I'm so grateful. And I know when I told about this interview to some of my friends, even like journalists, uh, I'm, I'm going to be on a podcast uh, and they were all very happy and appreciative. So I'm saying a huge thank you from myself that I appreciate you and our friend who connected us doing this, especially for America, a country that is so far away and you spending your time is amazing. Like I'm grateful beyond words. And I know that a lot of people are grateful as well, both people who are in America and people who are here for you being such a genuine, curious person, wanting to share the light, wanting to share the firsthand information. We are entirely grateful and we really appreciate you. And I personally wish you all the success with your podcast in general, because I think when you have an intention like this, whatever you do will happen in the best way possible. So I'm wishing you success, but I already kind of believe that this success will be yours due to the intention you have behind your job. I appreciate that. Thank you so much.